0: Love Talk Radio.
1: night broadcast of prayer international radio i'm your host for the night sean holmberg Um, we have uh sort of a full show tonight um i'm gonna um share a little bit um we're gonna spend the night praying interceding um i have a little bit to share um sort of along the message that we were on last night um talking about the renewed mind um talking about speaking the word of god over our lives and the reality of being god and not just being worldly-minded it's far too easy when you're constantly bombarded on all sides in the world ever from the second that you wake up in the morning with television and radio and you go out and you see signs and people and you know just everything we have to do in life it it's so easy at times to forget that the Lord God is always present. It's easy to forget what his word has declared about you, what his word has declared about your life, what the word has declared about your situation. You know, the Lord says that he loves you with an everlasting love. The Bible says that for God's love the world that he gave his only son that ever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. And, you know, even in the times that we live, there are so many people all across the world who have never even heard the name of Jesus, and which is tragic. It's also tragic that there's so many of those who have trusted their hearts and their lives with him who don't know the extent of number one, his love for them. And they don't know how to have this victorious life they hear about in the Bible and they read about. And, you know, the Bible over and over again, as stories of victory and triumph, and people read this and they want to have it. And the biggest place of our battle does not exist just in the physical realm, not everything I tell my children. All the time that not everything you see around you is necessarily completely true Not everything you hear Is true Not even every voice that you hear in your head is your own voice And so Even now we must Be more and more discerning To recognize The voice of the lord he said my sheep will hear my voice And to not Follow the voice of the stranger um, The enemy the devil and so we're going tonight we're gonna get into um a renewed mind, um having a consciousness a consciousness of the fact that there's a spiritual realm around us. you know Jesus said, "The kingdom of God is at hand, his kingdom, his domain, his authority is at hand, ever present with us, and the first step to walking a god not only a godly life but a victorious life through his name is to believe in what he has already declared, to believe what he has said, to take his work, to meditate on it, to apply it to your life, and to begin to see the world, not just the way that our eyes would normally expect to see things, but to start to see the world through the way he sees it, to start experiencing the world with the mindset In the backdrop of who we are in Christ Jesus. You know, every one of us have a place in this world. Um, The Bible says that before he told Jeremiah um, in the Old Testament, chapter 1, he said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. And while we're not all prophets, um, some are are preachers, some are teachers, some are garbage men, some are plumbers, some are dentists. Whatever your calling is, whatever it is the Lord has called you to do, he has a plan for you, had a design, a blueprint for you before you were ever born, before you were ever created. The Lord loved you and had a desire to bless you. He had a desire to show his love to you. To have a relationship with you and not just a relationship like, hey, we're buddies, but to have an intimate relationship as your God. And not only as your God, but as a friend. You know, Jesus said that He no longer calls us servants, but He calls us friends because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. And we, through the Holy Spirit, have the ability through His Word, through prayer and intercession, to hear the voice of the lord not only for our current situations not only for our lives but for the nations for the kingdoms of the earth for those people we've never met people we may never meet but we know them in the spirit we know that what the lord's will is which is that none should perish but all that should come to life and so i wanted to so i'm going to go over um this one um uh chapter in Mark and then I'm gonna play a recording that I, I heard today. I was um sitting on my bed with my wife watching um YouTube videos and I was watching this video um out of um Bethel um, um Bethel Church and it's um a guy by the name of Bill Johnson, very anointed man, um who's a pastor in of Bethel Church in Redding, California. And I believe this message that he's um preaching really ties in to what the Lord's doing, what the Lord's wanting for his bride, for his church. And this time we'll also get into some prayer, some intercession. Pray for any needs that you have. Um we have a chat window open at blogspoke radio forward slash prayer international. Um you can always call us. The number is six one nine Six three eight eight four five eight. So, if you need prayer for anything, you could also email us at um, prayerinternational at gmail dot com. so, okay. you know, thinking about knowing our place in the Lord, I'm going to try to get through this um, chapter pretty quickly so we can get on to everything else tonight. But I'm just going to start. It says um, this is um, Mark chapter one. And it starts off talking about John the Baptist, and it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel being the good news of salvation through Christ Jesus. If you break those letters up, the gospel, we hear about it as the good news. But if you break those letters up, it is G-O-S-P-E-L. God offers sinful people eternal life. And it says, So the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I will send my messenger before your faith, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And it says, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea, and all those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with Campbell's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I. His sandal straps I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you you know, to take a, a small break there, you know, you have to, sometimes when you're reading the scripture and you're going through the Bible, whether it's just reading it or in devotion or in church, you sort of need to put yourself in the position that they were in to sort of, you know, just close your eyes for a minute and imagine that you were right there, um, in, in Galilee on the Jordan river. I think, yeah, get in, or in Jerusalem on the Jordan river and Judea and everything else. But, um, just close your eyes. Imagine you're out there, on the river, and you see the multitudes of people who are coming to this weird, weird man, who was wasn't clothed in, the, in regular garments. He was clothed with camel's hair. He had a leather belt, and he was not even eating real food. He was eating locusts and wild honey, and They had to think, this man is really strange. What's he doing out here? This is like some sight to see. Um, Let's go see what the crazy man is talking about. And and he's preaching about the Messiah who they were waiting to come, which um, the prophets from the beginning had prophesied would come in the end times to deliver men from their sins. And, you know, if you're if you're, I'm sorry, if you're John the Baptist and you're in this place, you know, he heard something from the Lord. And the Lord spoke something um, into his heart and gave him a command. And he said, you know, go do this, go preach, declare that the Son is coming. And, you know, John had never seen the Lord Jesus Christ at this point. All he knew was that the Lord said he was going to come, and he gave him a command to go preach. And so there's these Pharisees and there's scribes and sinners and, you know, every sort of people, good people, bad people, and they're all coming. And he's preaching as if it were the first time the gospel of the kingdom. And it it took faith. It took believing and understanding who the Lord was, understanding his place in the Lord to have the strength and the courage to to go out day after day after day to, because the Bible doesn't say how long he was out there, um, but to go out there day after day after day preaching the gospel of the kingdom, not being able to always see what's going on in the spiritual realm, not knowing what's going on in the hearts of people around him, except for seeing those who come to get baptized, but just believing the words of the Lord and believing what the Lord said that was going to happen, and at the end of his obedience and faith, he, re- he actually was able to see that which was promised to him, which was seen the Lord Jesus. And it says in um, verse 9, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and, wa- and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately, coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven saying you are my beloved son whom i am well pleased and you know some people say that it was just a a symbolic dove or whatever but you know the world is always going to take whatever the the word of god says and it'll try to pervert it and corrupt it and try to wrap its mind around it and try to say well it could only be this or it, it could only be this but you know we believe the lord god we we know who he is we know what he is capable of and so you know when the holy spirit came down and spoke to the lord jesus christ uh, people around could see it john obviously saw it because you know john spoke about it later and he said that i didn't know who he was but that i was told hey who you see the spirit resting is my son and so then it says immediately the spirit drove him into the wilderness jesus into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days tempted by satan and was with all kinds of beasts and the angels ministered to him and you know another part i mean this is jesus himself who is god in the flesh having knowing his purpose knowing that you know going out into the wilderness um going through this time of of trial and testing um was part of the overall plan of what the lord had for him but had he only looked with his eyes and his his physical eyes you know the perspective may have been completely different and when Satan was tempting him if he was only looking with his physical eyes and what he could physically feel and physically see and physically hear you know he may not have been able to um know to have the word right there to combat the devil to know whom his father really was. Because, you know, it's, and, and I know this is Jesus, and I'm not saying that he would have sinned or anything else, but what I'm saying is for all of us, he's our example. And it's one thing to hear the word of God. You know, James talks about being a doer of the word and not a hearer only, just even yourself. You know, it's one thing to hear the word of God, even if you hear it your entire life. It's a completely different thing to know and believe the word of God to have it transform something in your life and in your heart where you read the scriptures and they become alive in you. And not only they become alive in you, but they become a revelation in your life and causes a transformation in your very soul, in your spirit, that not only changes you on the inside, but it changes you on the outside. It changes the way you walk, it changes the way you move, the way you perceive things, the way you talk to people, the way you think about people changes the, the entire course of your life by believing what his word has declared over you you know um going on it talks about how jesus went and he saw um he saw simon um, and andrew um who were fishermen and he went up to them and said follow me and i'll make you fishers of men and it said they immediately left their nets and followed him and then he went a little farther and he saw james the son of Zebedee and john his brother who were also in the boats mending their nets And, you know, it doesn't say this, but just think all these fishermen are in their boats, mending their nets, you know, trying to keep their lives going with their own abilities. And it said he immediately called them and they left their father in the boat with the hired servants and they went after him. And, you know, imagine Jesus just walking along the beach and, you know, and he's like, asking the father well whom do i ha- whom do i call whom do i bring into this whom do i reveal myself to and you know they're just walking in and it's like okay well where are you just go in any direction to find a couple people and you know they weren't the greatest people they weren't like scribes they weren't like these learned scribes they weren't the super rich or anything else anybody with statue? they were just regular people like you and me whom the Lord called, whom the Lord chose to reveal himself, just like he has to uh, us. Because, you know, it's not about your position. It's not about um how much money you have, how little money you have. It's not about your your gifts and your talents. You know, the Lord gives us gifts and talents, but it's not about that. It's about your ability to trust the Lord when he says something, to believe him and take him at his word over your situation, to be able to believe what he says, despite what you may see, to believe what he says, despite what you may feel is going on. You know, you can see someone who needs to be healed, and in your mind you're like, well, this is impossible. Um, it could be someone who um, the doctors have said it's on their they that dying of cancer, and, you know, they, the doctor may say they only have a couple weeks left or they have a heart issue or whatever it is. And in your mind, your, your mind says one thing. The logic that we have as humans says one thing. And if you don't know the Word of God, if you're not applying it to your life, if you're not in His Word to know what His promises says, to know the character, to know what His will is, and you're not going to know what the Lord's will is if you're not in His Word, having the Holy Spirit reveal to you what the will of God is. And, you know, if you didn't know that God was a healer, Jehovah Rapha, the God, our, the God who heals, Um, or the Lord God, our healer, if you didn't know that he was a healer, you would look at his situation as someone who needs healing, who needs a touch from the Lord, and you would have no answer to give them. You would have no hope to give them. But we who have this word, this precious word of the Lord, are able to reach into this word and to pull out part of the character of the Lord God, to pull out who he is that he has revealed to us and declare the truth, of that truth over the situation that we're in and cause that truth of his word to become a reality in that situation. You know, um, later on in um, the book of Mark, it goes on and it talks about how um, Jesus went into the temples and he started preaching um, the gospel and everybody was in shock. They're amazed and they're like, well, who is this person? And they tell a difference about him, not by how he dressed, um, not even necessarily the words he used, but how he spoke those words, because he spoke of one having authority. Because, you know, these scribes, these Pharisees, they, the people who were in the temple, they had spent their entire lives hearing people in the temple. They spent their entire lives hearing people, like, talk about what the Torah said, what the, what the word said. Um So they had heard it over and over and over again. But it was people who were talking about some God who's way out there that they may not have really known. But here comes Jesus, who is God, who came from the Father, who knew his place in the Lord. He knew his place. He knew his his purpose. He knew what the Word of God declared. He knew what the Scriptures declared. And he believed that. Regardless of anything else and so when he was eight when he came into the situation of preaching in the temple He was able to declare the word with authority because he knew the authority that he had and every single one of us Whether you've known the Lord for you know 30 years or whether you met him last night every one of us Had that same authority not because of who we are but because of who he is because of his name the name that is that the Bible says is above every name that is the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And, you know, when it says every knee shall bow, it's not just every knee. It's every knee, every situation, every person, every mountain, every valley, everything will bow. Every obstacle has to bow. And so we have authority in his name. Not only for our own lives, but also for the lives of every other person out there. We have this authority to declare and to speak life into the situations. We have the ability to create this atmosphere of worship, this atmosphere of the presence of the Lord. And all it takes is walking in the knowledge of who He is. Walking with the knowledge that he's always there, that his word is true, that his word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so with that being said, I'm going to um, try something I don't know that I've tried before. We, um, In the past, we've played um, clips from um, different meetings and um, broadcasts. Uh, I've never actually tried it using, because I'm actually using my cell phone right now. Um, so I'm going to try to see if I can get this to work. So... Um, hopefully y'all can all hear it um this is um Bill Johnson, and he's teaching on the renewed mind um, so um I think you'll like it um, and we'll be back right when it's over.
2: It's Let's mess around a little bit
3: renewed mind, I want you to go to Second Chronicles, chapter 10, and um, 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry. It's the same thing. The renewed mind is really a big deal to God. In fact, that's one of the greatest understatements we could possibly make. The renewed mind is how the Lord has chosen to manifest his kingdom. I'll get into scripture for that in a bit, but it's it's the renewed mind through which he manifests his world, his rule. The mind is either renewed or it is at war with God. There isn't a neutral ground. It's It either wars against the king and his kingdom. Renewed, or it is at war with God. There isn't a neutral ground. It either wars against the king and his kingdom, or it is being renewed, being metamorphosized, being transformed. The word for the renewing of the mind, the transformed mind, is the same basic word that's used for Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. If you would picture with me for a moment, Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's the only prayer meeting Jesus allowed any of his disciples to attend that he had Moses and Elijah show up, his clothing radiates with the presence and the glory. Jesus' own person is radiating presence. And that is the picture of transformation, and I believe it's the prophetic picture of what a renewed mind looks like. It actually radiates the reality of another world. The renewed mind is to work in conjunction with heaven realities so that they become manifest on earth. We know that we know that the demonic can inspire evil thoughts. But what is even more tragic is that evil thoughts can inspire the demonic. Picture thought life, thought patterns as highways, and spiritual realities travel those highways. We have, we give place through our thoughts to unseen realities they feed off of something. Strongholds are developed through thought patterns that that, ev- that evolve into places of trust. It says that a wise man will bring down the walls of a city, the strongholds in which they trust. You can learn the stronghold of any city by seeing what people trust in other than God. And Evil thought patterns develop into places of trust, misplaced trust, things that we trust in. You'll see in particular cities where there's tremendous trust in uh, the bottle of alcohol after work to help them cope with the pressure and the stress of the day. Thought patterns develop that allow for something else to take the place of the God of peace that passes understanding and instead it becomes an artificial uh, containment of, of stress if you will. And so these, these patterns, these thought patterns actually yield to spiritual realities and and uh, I, I, I don't know that it's fair to say that everything starts with the demonic. I, <sighs> the devil is a problem. <laughs> the devil is a problem. But um, sometimes he gets more credit than he deserves. Uh, some of us would still have issues if if he vacated the scene entirely. Um, if if you look in Galatians 5, for example, you'll see that even witchcraft is mentioned as a sin of the flesh. So even witchcraft that we, that we know gives place to such demonic strongholds and sub, such abnormal spiritual activity in an individual or family or a city, it actually starts as a sin of the flesh. Flesh yields to the spirit of witchcraft because witchcraft starts in the realm of manipulation and control. It's the, it's the grasping for control outside of divine order. And that's where witchcraft starts. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue of the flesh. It's an issue of the misguided heart that the Bible says that's actually witchcraft. And what happens is when patterns develop in a person's life, outside of God's reign, those patterns eventually become strongholds that the enemy moves in to supernaturally empower. I guess I could read a joke.
2: That might help. Do do what?
3: Say, say what I just said? The governor of California was George. Thought patterns. If if you look at it this way. another way to illustrate this is is one of the one of the best illustrations in the Bible for this kind of. Uh, concept, the principle, is in the Old Testament with uh, cities that had walls built built around them. And uh, there were some cities that uh, through war and through disrepair and through poverty and through all kinds of problems, the walls of the city began to break down. And uh, if you can imagine uh, these four walls of this building being walls of the city, and let's say that this wall was actually uh, damaged, destroyed, and there was a large hole in the wall. Well, where is the enemy going to try to get in? He's going to try to get in through that place of weakness. And um, and w- what happens is, in, in the renewed mind, what happens is you develop godly thought patterns that put bricks in the wall. And there are people in this room that are completely protected and insulated from the demonic chaos that's all around them, but they're... They're they're completely oblivious to it because they live in a place of safety because of god thought patterns, and and I and I don't want to suggest that you know if you're in spiritual warfare that uh, you know that that there's there's wrong thinking that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be uh, consistent with Scripture, but I'm just saying some of the stuff that happens in our life is actually provided because of perverted thought patterns, the ways of thinking. I don't know how this works. I, I I don't get this. I don't know how it works. I just know there's a reality here. Let me throw it up. Then we'll get in the Bible and the ways of thinking. I don't know how this works. I, I I don't get this. I don't know how it works. I just know there's a reality here. Let me throw it up. Then we'll get in the Bible and 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 uh, get this, make this a legal meeting. I, I don't know how this works, but somehow the enemy is able to either recognize thought patterns. I, I do believe that at times he injects, I think that's what fiery darts are. The battleground is the mind, and the fiery darts of the enemy are oftentimes, you know, you're just sitting there having a normal day, and all of a sudden it's just totally stupid, wrong, thought comes to mind, well, that's not from you, and, and I won't take ownership of it. If it comes in, I don't start repenting for it because it's not mine. I won't take ownership of it. Now, there are things that come up out of my heart that are not right. I mean, it's it's wisdom to recognize the difference between the fiery dart that came in from the outside and the the,
2: uh, things that
3: have been nurtured in my own heart, in my own life over time that I'm not aware of. An idea, a thought pattern, something comes to light that is inconsistent with those things I need to repent for. But somehow the enemy is able to recognize that reality, the unseen reality, uh, unseen to us. I, I, I don't know a better way than to illustrate it than to give you my, uh, my dead freezer story. Uh, some of you have, have heard read this story, heard of me talk about it. With years ago, we lived in Weaverville, and we came off from church, and I was, I was just going off to speak at a camp. I had to go home and pack in a hurry, change clothes, and I was going to speak at this a camp. This camp for adults, so about three-hour uh, drive, two 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 and a half, three-hour drive away. And uh, so I drove into the driveway, and in our house, we had a carport. At the end of the carport, was a shop, and it was divided into two sections. One section had a freezer. Well, a little bit of history, I had been smelling the trash around the yard for a while, and I, I told my boys, I said, guys, take, take in Weaverville, we didn't have garbage service you had and take it to the dump yourself, and that was a part of our recreation, and, and, you know, you run into bears there, you go there at night, turn your headlights on, you can count the bears, and it was, it was just the way we entertained ourselves. Some people have cable, we have bears. And, uh, so we, I, I told the boys, I said, guys, I can take uh, the trash to the dump for us. It's really stinking. So they did. And the next day, I walked around the house and go, son, guys, take all the trash. It stinks out here. And uh, and so I said, all right. So they looked around the house, found whatever they could find, a piece of paper, whatever that was hiding that they didn't see. And they took that to the dump. And so that's the background. I drive in after service Sunday morning into the driveway. I look back at the shop. And on the freezer side, there's a door with a glass window. It is black. It's black with flies. I looked and I went, oh, you yeah. know, all of a sudden, the past week just flashed before my eyes. I realized all this time I had been thinking we had trash laying around somewhere, you know, and I was blaming my boys for not picking all of it up and, you know, and, and I just realized our freezer died and every fly on the planet is in my is in my shop, and it was just the most horrible thing. I mean, I and I've got like an hour that I, I've got to I've got to pack, I've got to change clothes, I've got to hurry and get over. I'm speaking. I look at this thing. I'm like, oh no! I open the door and there's just God told Abraham count the stars. He would have told me to count the flies. I mean, I was, I mean you know, you're trying to figure out how this could happen. I mean, wait, what happened? You know, I mean, what happened? We had work done in the house, and, and the guy who did the work never turned the breaker switch back onto that room. So, so I opened the freezer. There were life forms in there, man had never seen before. I'm a hunter. There was a bear hide in there that took on the whole new life forms. There were Cornish game hens, you know how they're wrapped in plastic? Well, they had hatched. You have to be in this situation to realize how many random thoughts you have in a moment like that. How did this happen? Cornish game hens, you know how they're wrapped in plastic. when they had hatched. <laughs> you have to be in this sort of situation to realize how many random thoughts you have in a moment like that. How did this happen? How did the flies get into my freezer? How how did they hatch? Four hundred million eggs. In the, look at the larva, how they're evolving. <laughs> look at the life forms. This salmon that is no longer looking like salmon. All this stuff is in there. And I and I uh, called a friend of mine. I said I need the greatest favor I've ever asked for me in my life. I had to leave town. And uh, uh, we're we're not going to try to clean the freezer. We're throwing it away. It's it has been baptized in death, and I I no longer. You know, I don't know. I don't know uh, what are flies attracted to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. And Satan is called Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. There are realities in the unseen. They go off a of fragrance that actually give permission to unseen realities to inhabit. And there are ways of thinking that people constantly are degrading themselves, constantly criticizing someone else. I'm just little things. I'm not talking about the huge perverted things that exist all over. I'm talking about the simple thought patterns that are just absolutely in violation of Christ. I cannot afford to have a thought in my head about me that he doesn't have in his head about me. If I do, then I will entertain something, give place to something that will war against the purposes of God. And these things, they cannot be okay with us. They cannot be okay. And the reason the reasons obviously is difficult but what we have to what we have to realize is that there is a fragrance in thought. I, I don't know a better way to describe it. It, it. There's probably a better way, but I don't I don't have the words yet but there's is, there is a fragrance of how we joke around about stinking thinking at the reality there's a fragrance of decay unchristlike thoughts are decayed ideas, and that decay attracts attracts a reality to empower it, it on the other hand i psalms um hundred and three talks about that angels give attention to his word and to the voice of his word. There's a distinction between the two. I believe that what it means is angels recognize when God declares something. But the voice of his word is when he speaks something into your heart, and the angelic realm doesn't recognize it until you declare it. You become the voice of his word. What happens? They recognize the fragrance of the word that originated in the throne room. The angelic realm is also attracted to enforce that which came from the heart of God. So the issue of the renewed mind is a pretty big deal. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse uh, 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, verse 5, I want you to go over again, because I want you to see something here. I I, I I just think it's amazing. I, it says, casting down arguments. So we're talking now about ideas, thoughts. Casting down arguments in every high thing. Now we're talking about spiritual realities, the demonic realm. What I want you to see is the partnership between ungodly thought and spiritual beings. All right. Casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself. Do you remember uh, Satan when he was cast out of heaven? It was because of his self exaltation. He wanted to be worshiped like God. And so that's what's taking place in this passage. So casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Here's the challenge for us. The challenge is to learn to think like Jesus. It, it's not just a mind over matter thing. It's not just, uh, you know, memorize a good verse and quote it 20 times a day or 100 times a day or whatever. That helps. That certainly helps, to because the scripture reveals the mind of Christ. But it's learning experientially to see from divine perspective. It's much more than having the ability to quote a verse to answer a certain uh question or or need. Uh, It's more than being able to give a a biblical um, verse to give counsel to somebody who's just raised a certain problem. It's bigger than that. It's actually seeing. When the Lord invites us, when he reveals truth to us, uh, uh, to reveal something, actually means to lift the veil. So when the Lord reveals truth, he didn't create the truth in that moment. It's existed all the time. So whenever he shows you something new, it's been there your whole life. But what he does is he lifts the veil. And when he lifts the veil, he has given you and me an invitation to experience the reality of that truth. When Abraham was about to sacrifice his son Isaac, and the Lord revealed himself as Jehovah-Jireh, he He had him uh, stop the knife, and then he saw a ram caught in the thicket. The Lord revealed himself as Jehovah-Jireh, the God who provides, all right? In that moment, when he revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh, he was not trying to expand Abraham's theological understanding of God's nature. He's not that concerned about your intelligence. What he was doing is he was revealing his nature to unveil an invitation to come and experience me as Jehovah Jireh. And that is the ram in the thicket. And it was not just the concept that he had, it was brought into an encounter, into an experience. I don't believe really personally the renewed mind is possible apart from experience, apart from encounter. So when the Lord reveals truth to us, it's not so that we can debate with somebody who disagrees with our particular way of thinking, it's so that we have an experience to support, to, to give us divine perspective. We have a portion of the body of Christ that is growing, thankfully, but a portion of the body of Christ that believes in divine healing for today. We have a portion of the body of Christ that doesn't. My personal conviction is if the people who believed in it could display it, there would no longer be a part that didn't believe in it. One of the, one of the greatest strikes against us is that we become satisfied with the concept and theory. And the Lord's inviting us into deep personal relationships where these truths that he unveils to us become experience. All right, now, there in this passage, he says, to take thoughts captive, um, uh, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The way I think of this verse is that an ideal becomes demonically uh, inspired. It's almost like the enemy itself Himself identifies with an ideal raised up against the knowledge of God. So when you pull down a thought pattern, an uh, ideal uh, over your household, maybe, maybe you were raised in a certain way that you've seen now for decades. Maybe it's multiple generations have just been appointed in heart in a certain way, and you strive to pull that down. How by by acknowledging the lie that has been believed. When you believe a lie, you empower the liar. And so by pulling down that realm of thought, what happens is the demonic realm that is inspiring and infecting the family for generations, infecting the family with affliction or with poverty or or division or whatever it might be, the chaos that that exists, that stuff starts to dissipate because now it's being, it has to be pulled down, but not only pulled down, it has to be replaced with divine perspective. Are you guys all right? Okay, we will, we will continue. If you're okay, we'll continue. All right, so he exalt, exalts himself against the knowledge of God, bringing everybody captive to the obedience of Christ. The Lord would manifest himself through the renewed mind. Um, uh, we'll, we'll look at it in a moment. But you remember that probably the most famous verse on the renewed mind is Romans twelve two. Where he says, Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the will of God. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Look through it. And be mind renewed that you may prove the will of God. Now, this is not a new subject, of course. I realize I'm, on some of this I'm hitting some old territory, but, but I, I want to revive interest in something that I don't feel the Lord has let off on. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to the chaotic approach to life that is limited in thought. Um, You see, God's perspective is different. You can always tell a citizen of the kingdom because they are measured, their, their citizenship of the kingdom is actually revealed in their freedom. You can't obey the laws of one world and expect to get the benefits of another. It says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit manifests the Lordship of Jesus. Where the Lordship of Jesus is experienced in an individual, it will become evident because of freedom. That's why religion is so. It was the one thing that Jesus had no toleration for, it's because it did anything but make people free. And so he says. Don't be conformed to this will be transformed by the renewing of you might they, they be prove the will of God. The clearest definition of the will of God in the Bible, I, I believe, is uh, is found in what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer.
2: Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Th-
3: heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the renewed mind is to do what? Is to prove the will of God. Which is what? On earth as it is in heaven. The renewed mind proves the will of God which is on earth as it is in heaven. So the, the clearest tool to me to releasing the reality of the kingdom of God into this world is thinking with divine perspective. Now, faith doesn't come from the mind. It's it's pretty a big deal that we get that. It's it's uh, the f- faith does not originate in the mind. It says what the heart man believes in the righteousness. But a renewed mind enhances faith. A renewed mind actually fuels faith. A renewed mind gives context. A, re- a renewed mind creates a greenhouse that causes faith to go safely. Bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. To yeah, see how we're doing for time. Romans twelve two. We'll look at the passage I've been quoting to you. I'll try to uh, uh, shed some light on that passage as well before we get finished here. The verse I've been quoting: Do not be conformed to this world, Romans 12, 2, page
2: 1707.
3: Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed, that's the word. Be transformed. Jesus on the mount of transfiguration reflected the reality of another world. That's what the renewed mind does. The renewed mind reflects the reality of another world. What would it be like? To have this many people, only just this amount, this amount of people sprinkled throughout this nation that had renewed minds. They tapped into the perspective of God over planet Earth. Now, a lot of God's people don't have hope for the coming days. But God is actually quite encouraged. I have it on first hand information. He's actually in a pretty good mood. His thoughts towards us are for our welfare our benefit, not a calamity. That hasn't changed. He hasn't switched. He didn't go through a personality switch. That is his mind. Bible says, whoever you forgive, he forgives. Whoever you don't forgive, he doesn't forgive. What does it mean if you don't forgive somebody? It means you hold them accountable to their sins. You require judgment towards them because of what they've done. One of the most cursed cities by the church in our nation, in New York, New Orleans, Hollywood, Las Vegas, San Francisco. What are the cities that have experienced the greatest crises, either economically or natural disasters, in the last 10 or 15 years? So is, is it possible that the church's unforgiveness towards these cities, instead of embracing a call of
2: reconciliation, the unforgiveness towards these cities has actually contributed to natural disasters? All right back to the message. God is very hopeful. And I jokingly remind people, you know, people have this
3: unusual joy. As they talk about this world being judged, the earth burn, being burned, destroyed by fire, and then we realize we inherit the earth. You might need to adjust our perspective just a tad. I mean, it's not is very hopeful. If you know what's happening all over the world, you realize that since he spoke the word and of the increase of this government there will be no end there has never been a moment when there's not been increase there has only been increase just because the press doesn't cover it doesn't mean it's not happening world leaders all over the world literally are consulting with the prophets because they hunger for the order of God in their, in their cities and their names happening all over the world There's a difference between my destiny and my responsibility. My destiny is heaven. My responsibility is to bring heaven. They're not the same. They're similar, but they're not the same. My job is to bring that world here. His job is to get me there. It's not my job to get there. We have to discern the difference between our job our responsibility and our destiny okay back to back to this verse don't be conformed to this world be transformed i I still get messed up when i think about the transformed mind oh i started to say what would it be like to this amount of people just this amount that honestly had a mind that radiated the reality of heaven in thought, in attitude, and word that actually release the substance of that world into this world. What would it be like? To have renewed, renewed minds in the political system, renewed minds in the business world, renewed minds in the religious system, into the household, the family system, media, all these realms. What would it be like to actually... In the same way that Jesus reflected the nature of another world, and it was actually activity from that world that collided with this one, what would it be like to have a renewed mind do the same thing? You would find solutions to the most bizarre problems that exist on Earth, from nuclear meltdowns to ozone layer issues to everything. God does have an answer for every one of those. And the people with the most hope will always have the most influence. All right, this time for sure. We'll get back to this verse. The not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. The word prove there, I've used a lot to illustrate something that I believe is very true. To prove, basically, I want... The renewed mind substantiates or gives you evidence that this is real, that the, the kingdom of God is real in his presence. That is the outcome of the word, but that's actually not what the word means. Some of your translations have it perhaps more accurately than this. It's a word that means to approve. Don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may approve the will of God. Strange. Randy mentioned the verse the other day where Paul talks about in Corinthians that Jesus is the divine yes. All the promises in him are yes, but we are the amen. (laughs) All the promises are yes, but the church is the amen. And remember, (laughs) amen. The church is the amen. The church is the I've come into agreement. Now, why is that necessary? I mean, God is God. He can do whatever he wants. There's no question. He's, he's God. He certainly doesn't need our approval for anything. But it's but what is so fascinating about him is that he has, in some way, he has restricted his activities on the earth to the prayers of his people. It's called covenant. It says he made the heavens for himself and the earth for man put man on the planet with an assignment. Apparently the devil was already here because it was chaotic and the serpent was able to come into the garden. Don't want to go through the whole story, but the point was is that God chose to defeat the demonic realm that he could have defeated with a breath. He decided to defeat through those made in his image who decided to become worshippers by choice. And when the fall came, Jesus became a man to restore the original
2: destiny. So it talks
3: about approving. For some reason, the Lord has um, has written us into the plan. And I I personally believe that one of the greatest areas of transformation we need help in right now is our concept of the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God has been a subject, it's just a carpet you sweep, everything that you don't understand under is vows the sovereignty of God. You no, know, Jesus is perfect theology. He revealed the heart of God. And there's this idea that if it happens, well, it was it was God's will because He's in charge of everything. There's a difference between having all authority and actually being in charge over every situation. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Is anybody perishing? Is it His will? No. Not his will. He reveals his will all throughout scripture. Jesus is the will of God. That's the will of God. You know the will of God is that's the will of God for every person. But unfortunately, it's easier to pray and embrace whatever happens. It, it it's it's easier to pray and believe that in prayer you've turned everything over to God, and so whatever happens is the, is the will of God, that it is to accept responsibility for the issue. Because sometimes the Lord does not want to answer the prayer to you. He wants to answer it through you. And he scolded the disciples for the smallness of faith when they didn't stop the storm and they asked him to. to this will be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may approve the will of God. That word approve actually means to um to thoroughly examine and confirm it's authentic. That's that's fascinating to me. To thoroughly examine let's just say let's just say since it's my story, um, that I'm an art appraiser and I'm I've studied my entire life, I've studied the paintings of Van Gogh and um and I just, I know every brushstroke. I know the history behind every painting. I know just everything about him. And so when anybody wants uh, that painting to be verified that it's authentic, they call me and I spend time. I do the tests, I do all the stuff and be uh, and, and able to confirm. So let's say that your, your great aunt died and left you her estate. And you go back into the bedroom and there is this painting and it is signed Van Gogh and it's not a print it's actually with oils so now if it's not real it's it's a copy and it's it's worth maybe 50 bucks if it's real it's worth like 50 million dollars so you, you might want my opinion on whether or not it's the real deal and so you bring it in for an appraisal and so your whole family estate is hanging on whether or not I confirm that it's the real deal. And so I run it through all the tests. I come to this conclusion that what you have is actually a Van Gogh painting. This is an unknown Van Gogh painting. That your aunt has held in secret for all these years, and you have something that's now worth tens of millions of dollars. Congratulations. Let's say that you have a problem in your body, and you have two very good friends, both very mature, very... They live in accountability. They live in community. They're very responsible people. And they call you on a particular morning. And they say, uh, they call me and say, Bill, I had a dream about you last night. The first one calls, I had a dream about you last night. The Lord appeared to me, and he told me to tell you this, that that sickness that is in your body is allowed for a season because I'm going to use it to uh, touch the doctors and the medical people that are involved. And after I have used this, and this disease for a season, and I will visit you, and I will heal you. And then I get another phone call, and a friend calls and says, um, Bill, I had a dream last night. In this dream, the Lord appeared to me and uh, told me to give you this message that this disease is not from him. And um, this Sunday morning, as you worship." Spirit of God's going to fall upon you, another affliction is going to be broken off. I've just been given two paintings. The renewed mind has to find out which one is the authentic. And so what you do is you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and you read all the originals. And you go through and you find out Jesus had no toleration for affliction. He didn't approve of disease ever, even though there would be a righteous ending. Now, that's not to say God can't use something, but, you know, let's be honest, he can use the devil. He can use the devil in his rebellion. He can use him as a chess piece on a chessboard. He can move around however he wants. Sometimes, because of God's ability to use the problem, we have concluded that God approved the problem. So, careful examination of all the previous paintings brings me to the conclusion that the first dream is not authentic. And it's important because the renewed mind has to give approval and has to be able to give the amen so that what God has wanted to do actually gets done on the earth, gets done on the planet. We look at what has been decreed, and there are prophetic decrees, there are teachings, there are all kinds of things that have been decreed over our cities, over our lives, our churches, our family, our family lines, all this stuff. And we are constantly given paintings. We're constantly given things to approve through the mind of Christ whether or not that is actually a gift from God to us or if it's there to undermine. And it's vital that we learn through intimacy and through relationship, through encounter with God, we learn to sense and to feel his heartbeat. It's not just it's not just this um um It's not just an attitude that we develop naturally against sickness or against poverty or against whatever it is. It's learning to hate what he hates because we've learned to love what he loves. And in that posture, you start to feel the actual heartbeat of God regarding a matter. If you've ever seen anybody die with cancer, die with any of these horrible diseases, I don't know, anyone, could look at that and say, God gave that as a gift to the family to bring us closer together. Thankfully, he can use it to bring people together. But that is a devil. It is not from God. It is not from God. It it cannot enter the mind that that is okay. It cannot. We can rejoice that God has used it but healing to the family, whatever you did, celebrate. Because that's God's greatness, that's his business. But if we start compromising in the way we view reality to allow for that sort of thing to exist, unchallenged, then we actually get placed to a lie. And when you get placed to a lie, you believe a lie, you power the alarm. Godly thinking is a weapon of warfare. It is what positions us to destroy realities in which the demonic realm exists. I don't think of it as spiritual reality or spiritual warfare because I'm not double-minded. I don't think I'm now going to go into spiritual warfare. No, I I just love Jesus and want to think like Him. And I found out the devil doesn't like to hang around.
2: (laughs) I prayed for some of this last week. They they had aliens on board.
3: And, and those aliens wanted to talk.
2: You can't have her.
3: She doesn't want to be prayed. Actually, yeah, she does. That's why she came up here for prayer. When I mentioned the blood of Jesus. And just freaked out. Just totally freaked out. We own her blood. She made a covenant with us thirty seven years ago. We own her blood. I said, Well, I cancel that contract. But, you know, don't have the authority. I said, watch me. I canceled this contract, the blood contract that was made with the devil 37 years ago. It is canceled now in Jesus' name. And uh, the gal came back that evening. She came and told me the story. She said, 37 years ago, I made a blood covenant with the devil. And uh, it was broken this morning. You can't There can't be a toleration for things that don't exist in heaven. Once, You know, there are, there are things that are out of order all over the world, and you can live in total reaction to darkness your entire life. Learn to recognize your realm of authority, and whatever comes in that realm that's out of order, you have the authority to deal with. Don't try to fight every devil on the planet. You've got your hands full with your world. And as your authority increases, then more and more people will come and and they come in to, to the umbrella of your safety, of your breakthrough. The one thing I, I forgot to mention here is when you when you have personal breakthrough in the area of renewed mind, your breakthrough that is personal and private becomes a corporate blessing. Because God actually positions you with not only the insights and the experience, but the grace to impart, through impartation and discipleship, the same thing to other people who have the same problem. And so your personal victory positions you to pull people simply by your favor. You have a favor on them. They didn't earn it. They haven't done anything. Same way you got it. It was entirely by grace. Pull them into your personal breakthrough. And that's why it, it talks about taking captive these thoughts to the obedience of Christ. This is what happens. is you get the victory in your personal life, and you break that chain of, of whatever that has existed in the families. Uh, you know, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a demon hunter. I, I, just if it gets in the way, I, I, I pull the trigger. So I, what I, what I want to do is I want to deal with these thought patterns, these ideals that are raised up against the knowledge of God. Just learn that when, when the Lord brings them to life, then you identify them and deal with them. Deal with them in the authority of the Lord. But here's what happens is as you get personal victory, you you get positioned to now deal with those realities that exist over churches and over communities. It is possible for a believing group of people to change the way people think in the city. it, It is so ridiculously possible that We've we've been targeting certain things in our city for a long time. We have not arrived by any means. But there is a slow burn increase of kingdom all throughout our city in every area. I can't discuss many of them because it would jeopardize what's happening. But I can tell you one that's just kind of fun. We love going after the issue of increase in prosperity and blessing. I love to do that. I love to do it because, one, I think it's good it annoys people and that's kind of gratifying all by itself it annoys the religious and what more fun could you have you know Jesus talked about this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting well I ran into another demon that you can't even get rid of with prayer and fasting you can't get rid of them except through generosity So we go after that one. We go after it hard. We just we just do. We just go after it hard. We just we support other the churches, help to pay other staff salaries. And we take offerings for other ministries. It's just it's just a constant deal that we live with. This is how we live. And in fact, I, I felt like I was to illustrate something here uh, uh, towards the beginning of our school year. To be back probably October. I was in our school school ministry, and our uh, first year class about eight hundred. And I felt like the Lord uh, uh, Prompted me to do something I said uh, I felt like he prompted me There was somebody there Who had prayed for $500 that morning uh, So I, I, I got up to teach that. I said is there anyone here Who, who prayed for $500 this morning and there was a lady on the front row She said I did I said well, come here And I pulled out $50 out of my pocket I said this isn't $500 It's $50 but there's $500 in the $50 in the same way that there's an oak tree in the acorn. Now, the renewed mind sees the potential of a moment. It's not restricted in time and space. It sees the power of godly investment, of words, of prayer, attitude, thought, contributing to this momentum that God has created. And so I gave it to her, I said, there's 500 in the 50, not knowing what would happen. It's so cool when the Lord backs you up, you know. Actually, he didn't back me up on this one. I actually picked up what he was doing. So I, I gave it to her. And uh, that evening, she was down at the grocery store, and there was a family there that couldn't afford their groceries. And so she used the $50 to buy their groceries, and she thought to herself, there goes the 50 But the Bible says, when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. And he has outrageous interest rates. I mean, it's 3,600 fold. That is, it's amazing. So she bought this, this family's this groceries, went home, When she got home. Somebody drove up to her house with a $500 check. It
2: said, here, we want too to give this to you.
3: Dallas. Let's be honest. If we didn't get a miracle that fast, we'd have a racket garden. Change, plant the seed, have the oak tree, in a moment we. <laughs> doesn't always, thankfully, the Lord doesn't always answer that fast. Thankfully. Because it would create a perversion in us. And uh thankfully uh, endurance is also part of the process that gives us the wisdom to know how to handle what he releases when he gives it to us. All right. So anyway, we've been going after this for years and and uh, uh and have have done some some might consider some pretty bizarre things. So this last this last uh year. Um, you know, at Starbucks, you have the drive up window. So somebody drives up to the drive up window and says, uh uh, hands the money, you know, for the coffee that they just ordered on the microphone around the corner. And uh, and, and the gal by the counter says, uh, the car that just drove off paid for your coffee. And she said, well, she said, I'll pay for the car behind me. So that car drove up and uh, tried to hand the money. And the gal says, that car that just, what, just drove off just paid for your coffee. They said, well, that was so kind of him. I'll, I'll buy the coffee for the people behind me. That car drove up to pay for the, the coffee. And the gal says, You won't believe it, but the car that just drove off just paid for your coffee. They said, Well, it's very kind. I'll, I'll pay for the car behind me. This went on an unbroken chain for six hours. activity of God that actually is not just an action. An action releases an atmosphere. The atmosphere people would drive into and they would begin to think, process, and see the way the Spirit of God thinks, processes, and sees. We know this with King Saul. Saul, when he hung out, he was an ungodly king, antichrist in nature. When he joined the prophets, he actually thought, saw, and spoke as the prophets. And what that activity of God does. It actually creates, it actually brings a heavenly environment, which steps is on earth, and people drove into into that environment of the Lord,
2: not knowing
3: what it was, I'm sure, but they drove in and felt generous. Small example of your job. Every thought captive. If you've ever had supernatural provision, you lost the right to begin any thought pattern with what you don't have. The Lord reveals His nature to you. He wasn't showing you a one time activity, He was showing the way He deals with covenant people. And to begin a thought pattern that is inconsistent with that is actually to war against the covenant of God. Obviously unintentional, but, we, but we just, we've got to get this stuff down because he's wanting these simple acts. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's as simple as a glance to an unlovely person, and you just want to take the moment to encourage and just bless blessing. Sometimes it may be a very noble act, but what you're doing is every time there's an act of God through you, It releases glory into the atmosphere. It says in John 2, after Jesus turned the water to wine, it says in these signs, Jesus did manifesting his glory. Many people think that the glory of the Lord is going to fill the earth through a military invasion. You know, God's going to come back and establish his glory. I have a feeling it's through the daily activities and obediences of a yielded people. Because every time there's an act of God, every time there's a word from the Lord, every time there's the prayer of faith, every time there's an act of generosity, what happens? Glory is being released into the atmosphere.
1: Okay everybody, welcome back to Prayer International Radio. We've been listening to um Bill Johnson from Redding, California talk about the renewed mind and in Christ Jesus. Uh sorry, there were a few technical difficulties in there. Um, you know, talking to Chris earlier um, about the message and what I felt like the Lord was doing tonight. You know, um, it may seem strange to have a, a, a radio show broadcast, that put another message on from someone else, but, you know, what we feel is that, you know, it's the same Holy Spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead, that dwells in, in all of us, and, you know, the Lord can talk to me just as well as he can talk to you and vice versa, he can talk to you just as well as he can talk to me, um. And so you know there's so many Christians out there, so many believers who are hearing the Word of God, and um you know I believe the Lord has times and seasons that He works through, and you know I'm not discounting the basics of um Christianity, the basics of faith, the basics of trust in the Lord, but you know it seems like there's times and seasons that we go through um as a body of believers. And you know, I've really felt strongly over the last week in my own life and and the lives of my family um, about this this renewed call of finding our of winning this spiritual battle of the mind of taking our minds and as the as the Bible says, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind through the Word of God, of believing what the Word of God
2: declares
1: over your situation, what the Word of God declares over your life. You know, something um, Bill Johnson has said said, um, before in a different message I heard, was he said, one reason that many people don't experience the breakthrough in prayer that they're looking for is because they pray against the Word of God by praying for things that He's already declared that we have. You know, he said in this message, he said that sometimes God will not always answer a prayer in front of you in a way because he wants to answer it through you. And, you know, every one of us is is an an ambassador of Christ into this earth. Every one of us who have been born again, who have received his Holy Spirit, every one of us have the same authority in the name of Jesus to change not only our own lives, but the lives of our families, the lives of our friends, the lives of our churches, the lives of our cities and our nation. And, you know, he was speaking about creating an atmosphere of the presence of the Lord that causes a change in those people who are around you. You know, something I've always believed, um, and seeing the Lord do it over and over again, is that one person... One person is enough to change the atmosphere in an entire room. You can't – I heard someone say in a church service on Friday that you can't be in the presence of the Lord without experiencing a change. Now, you may not always see the change immediately because, you know, first there's a seed that's planted, and then it's watered, and then it's harvested. And so sometimes you just being in the presence of someone who doesn't know the Lord is enough to create that seed by the very presence of God. You know, the Bible says that we carry around the aroma of Christ Jesus in this earth. We carry around the aroma of Lord Jesus Christ in the earth. The Bible says we're light set on a hill. We're the salt of the earth. You carry around the aroma of Christ into this earth. And you have the ability to cause a change. In your environment, whether it's in your household, whether it's in the workplace, you have the ability to change the atmosphere by how you conduct yourself and by the way that you think and the words that you speak and the words that you declare and the things that you believe. So I'll give you um, a story um, so that everybody knows I love telling stories. So the Lord proved this to me. Um um, and, uh, my wife, um, knows that I, I love listening, um, watching the news. Um, like I'll, sometimes I'll watch CNN and then I'll watch Fox news. I'll watch like pretty much every, every station just to get an idea of what's going on in the world. Um, and so I, I had had this habit of coming home from work every day, um, and which was like a, t- a 30, 30 minute to an hour drive. of Coming home from work every day, and just turning on the radio. The of course to get the traffic report, figure out what what like wreck was going to be up ahead, um, and to, just to see what was going on in the world around us. And you know I'd get home every day, and I'd be stressed out from work, tired and exhausted from everything that had been going on during the day, and come home, and you know I have four children. And so if any of you out there have children, you know what it's like. You get home from work and you – and it's not like, okay, well, I'm home from work and the day's over with, I can sit back and relax. No. Now you have your family that you need to take care of. I mean, there's children that need to eat. There's kids they have to take a bath. You have to get kids ready for school if you have school age kids. And so your day doesn't actually end until far, far later. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're exhausted, you're worn out, and, you know, things start just getting on your nerves at times, as bad as that is to say. And so you find that the atmosphere, once you get home, isn't always the best atmosphere. tense, and, you know, everybody's tired and exhausted. Well, the Lord started working on me and about putting worship music on on my way home. And just spending that time worshiping Him, spending that time in, in His presence, just giving those few minutes to Him, and you know it wasn't it wasn't the most amazing worship always, but just me and Him spending just a few minutes, me knowing that He was there, just pouring out my heart to Him, and what I noticed was
2: when
1: I got home those days that I did that, the entire atmosphere of the house has changed. From the time I walked into the house, it was peaceful. There was joy. And it isn't, doesn't, didn't mean there wasn't any problems, but the way I thought about the problems was completely different because in those moments, I wasn't worldly-minded. I was Christ-minded because I had been in his And so when a problem arose... My first thought was the Lord, because he is the person was most aware of at that moment. And you'll in your life, if you dedicate your life, if you dedicate your time to him, if you put him for, for, um, foremost, if that's the right word, and in your heart so that he's always in your mind, you'll notice that it'll change your perception on the things around you. You know, he said... Your way, My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You know, he sees things we cannot see. He knows things we will never know. What we do know is what his word has declared. Like it says, that no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. If you give him your life, you give him your moments. You know, if you think about how quickly time goes, you go through your day and it passes by and you go to sleep and you do it over and over and over and over again. Someone told me once that life is not made up of spectacular moments. The great, amazing things that happen in life, those things that cause the most amazing memories aren't everyday occurrences. But an everyday life is usually filled with the same simple things. And But if you take those simple days and you dedicate them to the Lord, you will transform your life. And you'll transform the lives of everyone you come in contact with. And you don't even have to try. Just being in his presence is enough. You know, Peter, the Bible says, Peter had walked with the Lord, spent time with the Lord, knew the Lord, just like every one of us had the ability to do through his word, through the Holy Spirit, to spend time with him, to know him. And, you know, it said that Peter would walk down the street and people would run and bring their sick and bring their dying. And they would just try to get in the alley where he was Not so Peter would even touch them or pray for them, just so his shadow would pass over them, because they knew that there was a presence that he carried, and it wasn't this great presence of Peter, and Peter was this great person. It was the simple presence of the Lord, because Peter knew the Lord, and he cared about the knowledge that the Lord was always there, that the Holy Spirit was always working, always using us. You don't have to try to be great in the Lord to make a change in your world, to make a change in your children's life. Sometimes all it takes is just you and him being... Starting with yourself, examining your own heart, finding out what it is in your own life that would has become an idol, anything that you're putting in place of him, anything that you could remove that would give you just that much more time with the King of Eternity. Just those few minutes more to say, I love you, Jesus, to say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sin. Thank you for the grace and mercy you have poured out into my life. You know, those moments pass so quickly, and then they're gone. And, you know, Christ died that we would have eternal life, but not just eternal life, but that we could have a r- relationship with the Most High God, the restoration, the reconciliation of us to our Father through the blood of Christ. And We'll spend eternity with him, but what about now? How do we conduct ourselves now? How do we live now that we're here on the earth? You know, some people think, and I used to think, that you have to go out and you have to try to literally preach to every single person you come in contact with, which is important, and we need to evangelize, and we need to preach the gospel of the kingdom because that's what Jesus said. But what I'm trying to say is, is that when you're in his presence and you begin to know the heart of the Father, when you're in his word and you begin to know what his will is and what he has said and the things that he desires, then you'll start proclaiming the word of God without knowing or trying to proclaim the word of God. It'll just become a natural occurrence. The more you become like him, the more you start talking like he talks, the more you start thinking like he thinks. You'll see someone on the street, and you won't have a negative thought in your head. You'll just think of the love of Christ, and the love of Christ will compel you to act. It'll cause you to get in your prayer closet and to intercede and pray. It'll cause you to walk down the hall of your work. And just start praying for people, not because you're going to get anything out of it, just because you know that's what's in His heart is for them, and so it'll become part of your heart. You know, we talk about healing and a lot on this show because we, me and Chris, both deeply, deeply believe in healing. We've seen it over and over and over again, multiple times through our lives. We've seen the Lord do the most amazing thing and you know like bill johnson said and that message we listened to is that when he was talking about provision is like once the lord has supernaturally stepped in and provided for you you don't have a right to ever begin a thought about what you don't have knowing that he is your provision and you know healing the same way once you've seen
2: the lord heal
1: someone you know that all it takes is the simple obedience to step forward and do what he's declared, regardless of what your mind may think at the moment, but just following your spirit. He said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's it. It's that simple. They shall recover. So what right do we, as Christians, having this gift of life, you know, peace, I mean was it Peter at the gate beautiful and there's a layman and he said and then layman is asking for money and Peter said silver and gold I don't have but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ Christ and and what Peter knew that he had was the authority of Christ Jesus the same thing that every one of us has the same holy spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead that dwells in every one of us i don't think we have a right to see someone who's in need of healing and not offer the free things that we have to give them which isn't us but it's the lord jesus christ and we're all guilty of it but you know last night we were talking about what's possible what would be possible in this world if those who claim that they that they love him really took the word of god and started believing it and not just only believed it but started acting upon it and just started making these bold declarations of faith and these bold actions of faith not because they thought they were going to get anything out of it not because someone some camera was looking Or someone would say something, but just because they knew the heart of the Lord for that person. How many miracles would we see? How many people being raised from the dead would we actually see? You know, I told this story once. I was um, in my car and, you know, I've seen, I've had this amazing honor and privilege of serving the lord for over 20 years now and you know i've seen people get healed over and over again and i've seen people um not in person but on videos and live recordings and i've seen people get raised from the dead and i've read about it in scripture and i've heard stories from missionaries and pastors who've been overseas and in remote villages and in all these different places who've witnessed with their own eyes the miraculous things that the Lord can do and that he does do on a daily basis. And I was sitting in my car and I was just asking the Lord, I was like, I wonder if that's possible. And the first thing I heard was, you've never tried. And it wasn't a judging condemnation like voice from the Lord, it was a simple you've never tried. And I've seen dead people. Never tried, never never thought about it. It's always, well, I can't do that. I'm not I'm not some great anything. I can't I don't I can't do that. But the truth is it's not about me. It's about him. It's not my word that created heaven and earth and breathed life. It's his. It's his word. It's his promise. It's his declaration for healing to the nation. When he said, go into the world, preach the sick, I mean, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. The works that he worked, he said that we would do the same things and greater because he goes to the Father goes to the Father and sends us the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit. The same works of Christ we could all see in our everyday lives. And I'm not saying that every day you, you wake up, you're going to raise someone from the dead. Or that every day you wake up, there's going to be someone that needs to be healed and you can pray for them and they get healed. And you, But I'm saying that every day you have an ability to work the work of Christ through your faith and your belief and his word being true and being able to stand upon that word because there's always someone out there somewhere that needs something from the Lord. And it's not always a matter of pointing a person to a scripture or pointing the person down the road to the and saying, well, your answer is over there, or your answer is over there. When God declared through the Lord Jesus Christ that you are the answer you are the answer to the question because you are the aroma and fragrance of the Lord Jesus Christ in this earth. You are the one declaring the name of the Lord Jesus. The Lord doesn't need to use anybody, but he chooses to use us to bring glory to his name. How many of us don't pray enough? Don't intercede enough for the nation? Don't intercede for our own neighbors or the people streets? How many of us don't pray enough for the people we see? When we see someone who doesn't know the Lord, how often do we just pass by and not do anything out of fear or out of whatever it is? And the question is, what if? believed what if we really really believe the lord and what he would do if we were willing to trust him and act upon it? it only takes a few minutes to pray for someone you know i've heard stories and seen you know people just walk in someone say a quick prayer and walk out not about them and the lord's done something it doesn't have to be even a quick prayer at times sometimes it could be a two-second prayer a five-minute prayer and that's enough for the lord's work a miracle because it's not about us it's not about our abilities it's about his blood it's about he's already done you know how much we had a few minutes left um You know, I want to tell you a story, Um, and not, this isn't, I'm in the story, but it's not about me. It's about the Lord Jesus and what he does and um, about hearing his voice and trusting him. So um, a long, long time ago, um, back before I was really serving the Lord, um, there was a club in my hometown I I, I used to go to. And so I had gone there for a while, and I ended up knowing a lot of people. And I have a brother who I'm very close to, and he used to go there. He knew a lot of people. and up so having mutual uh, acquaintances, not friends, but acquaintances. And, you know, um, my brother called me one night, and um, he told me um, just, I think it was just a catch-up or something, and he mentioned that this friend of his um, who I knew was in the hospital and his kidneys had shut down and the doctor said he wasn't going to make it through the night. And I wasn't the closest friend to him. He wasn't, as far as I knew, he wasn't a believer. He didn't know Jesus. And I got off the phone with my brother and... You know, normally my first instinct would be like, okay, let's go pray. But something, insta- but then it was just trying to push it off. It's like, you know what? I don't want to have to drive to the hospital in the middle of the night. And, you know, they had asked all his friends to come to the hospital that night to say their goodbyes. Because the world usually has no hope. So they're usually quick to say, okay, well, this is it. This is this is the end. There's nothing left that can be done. Thank God that we know that he is the final answer to every problem in every situation. And so for about 10, 20 minutes or something like that, the Lord kept working on my heart and I kept trying to just ignore it and be like, "Well, well, there's, there's God sends someone else. There's gotta be someone else around that hospital. There's gotta be someone who, who knows you. But he kept working on my heart until finally I was like, okay, I'm going, and I got in my car and I started driving, believing that the Lord was going to do something in this person's life. Um, and so I get to the hospital and there's only a couple people there, and they're when they and we we just sit there and wait, and I don't really say anything to anybody, and I'm just waiting. And finally, they start letting people in the hospital room, and you know I. Um, it was me and these um, two other people. Um, and so they're off looking about this this, this guy's room and just looking at all the stuff he has in his room and the cart on the wall. And, and so I go to the bed and I look down and I didn't see a dying person. In that moment, I didn't see someone who was at death's doorstep but i saw someone whom the lord loved didn't matter what this person thought at at any particular moment it didn't matter what sins they had committed in the past all that mattered was the lord loved them and i knew that he's a god who heals i know that he's a god Who provides. And so really quickly. I said a quick prayer over him. Don't even know the exact word. Because the words are never important. The only thing that's important is the name of Jesus. And the blood of Christ. And so immediately I left the hospital after praying. Got in my car. Went home. Had no idea what was going to happen. Just the, the Lord. That he knew. And. I believe it was the next day, or the day after that, he left the hospital, and you know when you start seeing things through his eyes, and you start knowing what the scripture declares. You know he said his eyes run to and fro, or to and fro, from uh, throughout the earth, seeking in whom he may show himself strong. The Old Testament says that he looked for an intercessor and could find none. Even now, the Lord God, the Holy One, Jesus, are looking to see in whom they can show themselves strong. Because it doesn't take very far. You don't have to go very far to find someone who needs a touch from the Lord. You don't have to go far to find someone who doesn't know the Lord. And we have this free gift of salvation, this gift of revelation. Like Peter said, when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. This treasure that we have as ordinary people like the fishermen that Jesus found along the seashore and called them and said come follow me we have this treasure in earthen vessels being declared being called servants of the most high god and not only servants but now we're called friends children of the most high with whom he said that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You can change an entire world. You can definitely change your own life, and you can change your own family's life. And all it takes is just a tiny bit of trust in the Lord, that he is exactly who he said he is, that his word is true, that he can do exactly what he said he will do. So um, this has been Prayer International Radio. Um, we're running out of time now, so we're going to have to uh, cut this short. We'll be back tomorrow night at 10 o'clock. Um, if you need prayer, you can always email us at prayerinternational@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And for Chris Herzog and Patrick Sanders, I'm Sean Holmberg. Um, Have a blessed night. In the name of Jesus.
0: Everybody falls sometimes, gotta find the strength.